Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Ready to cut through the BS and hear some ways to drive your business forward today? Yeah. Welcome, Welcome to Biz Sprints Podcast with your host, know the name. Michael McMillan. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Biz Sprints. This is Michael McMillan, and thank you so much for coming back for another week of tips and tricks to help drive your business forward. Well, depending on when you're listening to this, if you're listening it near the release, Happy New Year! Welcome to 2017. If you're not listening to this near the new year, it's okay. This is still a great episode to listen to at any time of the year, as I'm going to give you guys some great tips and tricks to help really kick a new year off right, or if you're really just looking to get your sales turned around, this is a great episode to listen to to just understand some of the first steps you guys can take to really getting your sales team turned around and getting them down the path where you want them to go. So when we talk about starting off a new year, you know, I personally get really excited about the new year each year. And it's I think it's just because this it's almost this overwhelming feeling across the board, right? With all the my team, even my clients' teams, I can even feel it. It's just like everyone kind of walks into a new year and it's just it's just that kind of like shedding of everything that happened last year, like it's never happened before. And we can step forward into a new year and just kind of start anew. And I always love that everyone's kind of in that same mindset to actually have that exact same kind of feeling. So today, you know, I wanted just to give you guys some easy things you can do to really help take advantage of that energy that your team is feeling and really be able to hone that to be able to get them really cranking some good things for you. So how to do this? Well, here at Biz Sprints, when we take on any new client and how we start them out is we walk them through, I mean, totally, we walk a client through a five-stage process. So stage one is what we call discovery. Uh, the discovery process is where we're learning the business, but we're also helping the client relearn the business from a sales perspective and a sales point of view. And many times what we find is, is that client's come back to us and tell us like they've never looked at their business from this type of point of view before. And it's really shed a new light on how they are looking at their organization for the first time in a long time. Stage two after discovery is then strategy. Building out the strategy for the business is what we consider to be a collaborative effort. It's something that we do with the team and we do as part of the team because what we have found is by building it with the team and building it in a team environment with the entire, all the stakeholders of the organization and everyone who plays a part, we then get their buy-in when we then go to implement that strategy, which then leads us into stage three, which is what we call accountability. For us, what we have found is that no matter how great of a strategy you can build for an organization, if there's no one there to hold the team accountable to actually enacting that, no one's going to do anything. They're just going to have a great strategy and ain't nothing going to happen with it. So, you know, having that accountability procedure in place and well-documented, well-understood across the team is so critical to the long-term success of any sales organization for that matter. After that, we go into what we call our cycle stages. Our cycle stages, and the reason they're called cycle stages is because they continue to go on and on and on, ongoing for the lifespan of our relationships with all of our clients. Those stages are basically feedback and iteration. Our feedback procedure and our feedback stage is really there. Is this, it's a constant loop of data 
and feedback that we're getting from the organization on how are things going? How is the organization doing? How are they doing with this strategy? What are they learning from the market as they're injecting this into the marketplace? And you know, what's the feedback they're getting so we can try to then iterate it, which is the next stage, to make it better, right? Because our belief is that nothing is ever perfect. There is no such thing as perfect. There's just this current version that we are going to get new feedback from, learn from, and then make better. Through our ability to constantly hone a strategy in and make things better and better and better, that we find perfection in our ability to constantly improve the strategy in which we're enacting. So I give you the details on our five stages through our strategy because I really want to show you this is how you should be running your sales organization anyway. But today, what I really wanted to talk about is one of those stages in there, which is a really easy thing you can do in your organization today and really see some big wins as you're walking into the new year. And what that is, is really setting proper goals, quotas, and stretch goals. And detailing out who, what, where, when, why, and how people achieve those in your organization, specifically around sales. So many times what we have found in organizations that we are brought into is that the executive team, yes, they will set goals for the company and they will send benchmarks. So they might set something like, we need to achieve 5 million in this calendar year. Okay, great. Now what? (laughs) How are we going to get there? How is that broken up? You know, what services or what products is that going to be based upon? You know, what market segments? You know, how many clients? What percentage of clients do you want each one? Do you, are we okay with double digit clients or do we want all single digit clients? How do we want that done? And it's in those details that we find the magic. But more than that, it's also the who is going to be doing this and the role that they will be responsible for in doing that. So let's get specific here. So when we are setting goals, what I like to do is, is I first though, before I set any goals, I first want to make sure I'm setting the quota. The quota is the specific number that each person in my sales organization must hit to just keep their job. And I want to make this very clear. So Depending on the organization we're working with, we've done this in a number of different ways. You know, for some organizations, we could simply do it on number of sales because every sale is about the same cost. So we could just tell every salesperson, hey, listen, you need to be doing five sales a day or five sales a week or five sales a month or five sales a quarter, all depending on what your business looks like. And from that, we can then derive and we know based on that, we're going to be able to achieve X amount of revenue, X amount of profit, which then keeps your job. But the quota should be the bare minimum. So you really want to make sure when you're setting the quota, this should be the number that's going to provide you the ability to cover all of your costs, as well as, of course, some profit to be able to run the business by, as well as the cash flow you need to be able to control the business's finance. And this is where you set quota. So this way, anyone in your team, if they ever ask you, so how'd you come up with this number? right? Oh, you just saw us do 4.5 last year. So you just decided five is a great number. You can respond back to them saying no, 
The reason it's at five is because we're increasing our marketing spend this year and we need to be able to offset that through additional sales and additional, and we need the profit from these sales to be able to continue to further expand our marketing and sales uh, spend. Now you have a real answer and it's an answer your team can get behind and understand. But the key there is knowing the details behind that and empowering your team with those details as well so they can answer those questions. After quota, we now get into goals and then stretch goals. The goal is really where you not the business to go, not where you need the business to go. Need is quota. Want is goals. The goal should be set at a benchmark of where you need this business to go to in this next calendar year to ensure that you are on track with whatever your exit strategy is. Now, I know I'm just bringing in a new thing and I'm going to get into exit strategies a lot more in another podcast, but I do need to bring it up here because it is important and it's imperative. And I tell all my entrepreneurs this, it's imperative to always understand you must always be building to a specific end in mind. I'm not saying you need to enact that end. You just need to know what that number can be. So for with one organization I'm working with, I know, for instance, that the cash out for the one owner that they would need to retire and be happy and where they want to be is $13.5 million. That would be the cash in their pocket that they would need to have. Knowing that, we were then able to drive based upon the percentage of ownership they have in the business and our other partners and what they want, what the company would need to do to be able to achieve that for the owner. And they weren't far off, actually. It was actually a very very realistic goal that she could actually achieve potentially in the next couple calendar years. So knowing that, we can then derive what the goal is each calendar year because we now know, okay, hey, listen, we're going to set this as a three-year basically target as an exit. And if we achieve this, you then have some seriously hard decisions you need to make of do you want to now take advantage of this or are we going to reset the exit strategy to a larger number. And that's where you set your goals are. And your goals must be set upon that is what is the potential exit in the next three, five, seven, ten 10 years, whatever the number needs to be. And all of that is a derivative of your shareholders in the organization and what their exit goals are in the business. Now, once that number is determined, and as you hear, it's all numbers. Guys, this is sales. This is not some, you know, we're not trying to talk about retention and all that right now that we're just talking about pure play sales numbers. The last and final element there is a stretch goal. How I set my stretch goal is simple. What I simply say to all my entrepreneurs and sales leaders is this, where the goal is the number to ensure you're on track to hit your exit strategy goal. Your stretch goal is the number to hit the same exit strategy goal in half the time. So let me repeat that. Your goal is based upon the number you need to achieve in a calendar year to hit your exit strategy on time, be it three, five, seven, ten 10 years, whatever that is. Your stretch goal is to hit that same goal in half amount of time. If your goal is, let's say, to do 5 million in sales Every single year for the next three years, which will get you to additional 15 million in ARR, annual recurring revenue, which will then get you to your exit number. Your stretch goal would be to do something like 
7.5 each year, which will actually get you there in two years, or it might be actually a little bit more. We might need to do eight or nine, whatever, but to get, get there in half the time. So if it was a three-year goal, you need to get there in a year and a half. And it's however that much amount of money is to get there in half the time. That's your stretch goal, guys. It's really that simple. And the reason I keep it that simple is because it makes sense. When I, as a sales leader, need to explain this to my team of, hey, here's our quota, here's our goal, here's our stretch goal, and I am always going to get, well, why? I can now answer that question very easily, and I'm not trying to make up something off the cuff of like, well, guys, we think it's a great market this year, and we, you know, we're really doubling down on our marketing spend. No, bullshit. No, here's the reality. I need to hit quota because if you want a job here, you need to hit quota. It's that simple. I need cost and I need profit. Plain, blue, simple, easy. Goal. We have a five-year plan to make sure that this business is at this amount of money in five years and this amount of EBITDA to make sure that if we wanted to, we could potentially sell this company and then get a cash out. Our goal is set to make sure we hit that in five years. Stretch goal. Ready for this? Same thing. Half the time. Kill it. We all make a lot of money a lot faster. Pretty simple, right? (laughs) It's easy to understand. And that's the critical nature of setting quota, goal, and stretch goal. So simple. When you start making it complex, guys, you just confuse people. And your sales team now just thinks you're setting up this number from something you just pulled out of your arse and just threw on a piece of paper. And all you did was take last year's sales numbers, increased them by half, and just set a number that's, that they feel is going to be unrealistic to hit. Now, once the numbers are hit, or once the numbers are not hit, once the numbers are laid out, you now need to help your team understand how they're going to do it. And I'll tell you, this is really where we're getting into kind of stage two of our process, which is the strategy side. And one of the key things when I was explaining our process, that I want to make sure I want to bring back up here is the idea of building your strategy with your team. Now, I'm not saying you need to build out the whole thing line by line by line with your team, because we don't even do that with our clients. We do a lot of the strategy design away from the clients and bring it back to them and then work with them in collaborative fashion to actually finalize it. I would suggest you do the same, but make sure your team is involved. Make sure they have a voice in the whole process and make sure they feel that their voice is being heard inside of the whole process as well. Because I will tell you from experience, every time I ever tried to enact a new strategy without the input and buy-in from my team, it went nowhere. All I was doing is is I felt myself constantly managing my team to try to get them to do this process that they were just not buying into. And the main reason was, was because they had no real stake in it. They never really felt that their voice was a part of it. And they would even tell you, this will probably help me, but they just could never get their head wrapped around it. So make sure you get your team involved. Just get them in a room, talk them through it, get their input, tweak a few things, change a few words, change a few numbers, and you will see such better results from this. And guys, when I'm talking about strategy, just let's be real clear here. We're talking about everything from the training process to the scripts that we use, to the template emails we use, everything. The strategy must be detailed as well as the training that goes behind it. So, As part of our sales manifesto, and our sales manifesto is what we constitute as our strategy. That's our strategy written down. And, you know, that's why in part of our manifesto, we have a thing we call personas. And our personas are there to help our sales teams train. 
Because what we have found is that when a sales team can understand the personas, the people that they're selling to, and then be able to feed that to other parts of their teammates and or other people they know, and then those people can then play those roles and help them practice and help them really just get used to being in those different scenarios, either be on a phone, either be in person, breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever. What we have found is, is, you know, when you can train and train and train is when you're going to see the results you want, because now it's just muscle memory. It's just like playing a sport, right? I'm a swimmer. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a swimmer, right? And I've learned over the long course of time, right? Is the more and more I train in the pool and the more laps I get, when it comes down to race day, when I'm, and I do triathlons as well, when it comes down to triathlon day, I can jump in that water and I am just in nirvana. Because I'm totally, it's like an out-of-body experience for me because my body knows what to do. It knows how to do it. And it just does it. All I have to do is just make sure I keep breathing and make sure I'm pointing in the right direction. (laughs) The body takes care of the rest. In sales, we need to be doing the same thing. And that's why we do so much role-playing and training and constantly practicing to ensure that us in sales are doing what needs to be done. And that comes out of the strategy. And that's why we do those personas. And I'm sorry, I'm getting in a rabbit hole here and I don't mean to. The other part of the strategy though is is ensuring that the entire team knows their part in the sales process. Now, key thing I just said there is the entire team. And I don't mean the entire sales team. I mean the entire freaking team. Everyone from the janitor who cleans the toilets all the way up to the CEO, president, and board of directors. Everyone needs to know their role because everyone has a role. And if you don't believe me, let me give you an example. Let's go all the way back down to the bottom layer in maintenance and and janitorial, right? So many people overlook these people, but yet I have come to learn that these are some of the most critical people in your team. And if you just embrace them and help educate them to their very important role in the sales process, you will see amazing results in your organization because of it. So what's their role? Well, let me ask you a simple question. When you walk in each day or when you're leaving each day, and some of you do, but most of you don't, who takes out the trash? Who makes sure the carpets are clean? Who makes sure the windows are clean? Who makes sure all the crap is off the desk that will be before you get in the door? Who makes sure that everything is tidied up? Who makes sure the whiteboards are wiped down, etc.? For most organizations, not all, I know a lot of owners who are doing it too because just they need to for cost-saving reasons, but for most organizations, it's a maintenance staff or it's a maintenance person or a janitor. And some are full-time, some are part-time, some are hired contractors, whatever. But that person is responsible for the look and feel of your organization's physical appearance. Every person who walks in your door, that person inadvertently impacts, either be it your staff or a potential client or an actual customer. Everyone is impacted by the work of the maintenance staff. And this is why I learned a long time ago, anytime I'm working and bringing on a maintenance crew, again, be a contractor or employee, I always put them through training to educate them on their importance of their role, especially in our ability to sell. And what I have found is I all of a sudden get better results. The floors get a little cleaner. The windows get a little more attention. The bathrooms are spectacular. 
I'm never out of paper towels. I'm never out of toilet paper. Everything is right where it should be. Everything is how I want it to be. Because they understand their role in us helping us make sales. And this just goes up the board. Operations, technical, engineering, HR, everyone plays a role in the sale. You just need to make sure they're educated on how they do it. And how you make sure that happens is you detail it in your strategy and you deliver it to them one by one and make sure they all understand this. And the person who's in charge of this, just so we're clear on this, this is why our company exists, but this is your VP of sales or your chief sales officer, which can be one and the same as well. This is what that person is there to be supposed to be doing, is crafting that strategy, managing that strategy, and ensuring that it is held accountable across the organization. And we understand for most organizations, it's just not possible. It's just not feasible from a, you know, they just can't afford it. And that's why I actually designed BizSprint to help be the outsourced version of that. So, okay, so you have great goals, you have great stretch goals and quota set. Now you even have maybe a great strategy laid down. How do you ensure your team does it? Well, I'll tell you, the thing you must do, and the biggest part here is taking action. But now before you take action, though, there's one more thing you got to do, though, which is making sure you've got measurements that matter. My mother always told me a great line that I will never, ever forget for as long as I shall live and for as long as I'm doing business. If you cannot measure it, you cannot manage it. If you cannot measure it, you cannot manage it. That is the greatest line that you can, you should hold true and dear to your heart. Reality is, is if you're a manager, that should be written somewhere in your office. If you cannot measure it, you cannot manage it. You must have measurements that matter inside of your sales organization. This must be everything from, you know, the stages of your pipeline and what are those conversion rates? What's the velocity rate on those? So which means is how much time is it taking to get from stage to stage to stage? What is your total sales cycle? What is your revenue by sale? What is your revenue by salesperson? How much are the total sales, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all these are dependent based upon your organization. And all of these will be you know, measured and graded differently. But it is critical that your business always is managing and managing these things because that is how you are going to know the true health of your sales organization. And then you must report on these regularly. At all of my organizations that I've led, in sales. What I will tell you is one of the greatest things that we started doing was a practice we learned from a gentleman named Vern Harnish. He wrote this amazing book called The Rockefeller Effect, which is he has a practice in there, which he talks about is called the daily huddles. And I'm going to strongly encourage you guys go read his book. Again, it's Vern Harnish. And you can read all about these daily huddles. But I've done these things for a number of years. And the great thing with the daily huddles is they were quick. They were usually 15 minutes. It's the whole team. I mean, I'm talking the whole organization. And you have to understand, I come from organizations that, you know, you're talking about hundreds and thousands of people in these organizations. And it was the whole team together. And during this call was simply there to update the entire staff on the current status of sales and where are we at, where we need to go, and what do we need to focus on to make sure we get there. 15 minutes, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Let's get going. Let's kick some ass and type some names. And I will tell you, it was amazing because the whole team now was always on the same page. It was such a great practice. 
And then we also had weeklies, we had monthlies, we had quarterlies, we had annuals. And all of these helped make sure that the team was always on the same pace and the same track and the same place at every single time and making sure everyone knew where we were going. And then as I just said a few minutes ago, all of this is great and well and dandy, but if your team doesn't take action on all this, all of it is just a waste of time and money. And I will tell you, you know, we've done a number of these programs now, and we are managing a number of organizations, and there is nothing more frustrating than watching a team who has all the stuff to do amazing things and then does nothing with it. And, you know, for us, you know, in our role in the play is that, you know, we hold people accountable and it's not easy, you know, especially being a third party and now holding a team accountable and they're just not doing anything with it. It's a very, very awkward place to be. But I'll tell you, it's shown me just how important it is to ensure you get those first few parts right and making sure you have that buy-in and making sure that you can prove to a team that this isn't just some fly-by-night strategy that the owner you know, went to some show and met some crazy team and's like, oh, we're going to do this now. And this is the, you know, the flavor of the week. And next week, it'll be something else. No, it's, you know, this is the real deal, guys. Like, this is here to stay. And we're going to make sure this works. And that's why we stick it out with these teams. And we really show them like, listen, we're here. We got your back. We're here to help. Like, stop pushing us away. And if they just take action, they're going to see amazing results. And I'll tell you, when our teams do, man, oh, it's so cool to watch. And you'll see your team too. As soon as you can get them to turn that corner and start taking action, it's amazing what's going to happen. And the final two pieces here, guys, is feedback and iteration. The feedback piece is almost more critical than anything. And that's where you get those, you know, the weeklies and the monthlies and the quarterly and annual meetings. Because guys, the main thing I could tell you here is this. Don't beat your team over the head with their results all the time. And I get it. It's frustrating. It's hard. It's so hard when you see your team off their numbers and you just want to really just walk out there and beat the shit out of them. But you can't do it. You gotta, you gotta hold back and you gotta talk to them and you gotta work with them. And what I'll tell you is, is look through your numbers and find out who is doing something. Because what I've learned is in sales, the 80-20 rule is so, so apparent in organizations. And what it is, is simple, is the top 25% of your team is usually producing 80% of all of your net sales in your organization. And this could be the top third, it could be the top 20%, it could be, but it's always the top 20 to a third are producing 80% of your sales. You need to know who those people are and that's where you want to spend all of your time as a sales leader so you can learn from them on what is working. But more importantly, bring that back to the team and teach all of them on how that's working so they can all take it and learn from it and then iterate what they're doing today and start moving forward with it. The last piece there with iteration. So many organizations I've worked with now have the worst habit of committing this, what I would say is this mortal sales sin, which is they let their sales team do it how they want to do it. I cannot stress to you the importance of standardization 
of your processes. You must have one way. I don't care if you have 2,000 salespeople, there must be one way to sell what you do. And you must mandate it across your organization. If you don't, you have no way to know what is different. You have no way of measuring it. The variables in sales is how we make changes. And I always tell people there's two types of variables in sales. There's controllable variables and then there's manageable variables. Controllable variables are like what color is the wall? What kind of printing am I using on my business cards? Those are controllable variables. Those are things I have full 100% control over. Manageable variables is a lot of it's the human element. Is the guy hung over this morning? Okay, great. Now he's going to sound like crap. I can manage it. I can't control it though. I can only manage to it. And when you start allowing salespeople to control how they do their sale, man, I'm telling you, you are in for a world of hurt on your sales results. So guys, I know I gave you a ton here and I know this is a this is a total fire hose of data and I hope this can be a big help. I wanted this to be a kind of a fire hose for you though because we're starting a new year, guys. Man, I mean, this is a great new year. Like this is the time to kill it. And so listen, take one or two things from this podcast. Enact them today. Take that action. Move your organization forward. I don't care if it's the setting of the quota goals and stretch goals, or if it's assigning out each team member's role in the sales process, or if it's the last thing I just said, and whatever it is, just take one step or best case, two steps from this podcast and enact it in this new year, and you will start seeing the results immediately. If your team needs any help with any of this, please visit our website, bizsprints.com, B-I-Z-S-P-R-I-N-T-S.com, or give us a call 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, 888-512-3422. Our team would love to chat with you. We're always in a giving mood. We're always looking to help organizations, and we'd love to tell you more about our Velocity program where we can help your organization and walk you through those five stages, and most importantly, hold your team accountable to the sales strategy and ensure you guys hit those sales numbers you need to hit this year, and really try to see what we could do about getting to that stretch goal and getting you to your exit faster. Well, guys, until next week, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming back for another week of Biz Sprints. To your success and prosperity, my name is Michael McMillan. Have a great week. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thank you for listening to Biz Sprints Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us at bizsprints.com for more tips and tricks to drive your business forward. No doubt about it. 